0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Element City Church. We are so thrilled to have you here or tuning in online from your home or watching later this week. We are thrilled to gather together for the next little bit and to have a great time worshiping the Lord and looking into his word. And so if you're new tonight, we are especially glad you're here. We know it takes courage coming to a new place. And so uh, I met a couple of you. We just want to invite you. If you uh, want, you could download our free app uh, right from your app store, just type in Element. City Church, and you can kind of download that, we travel light, lots of things you can access there from calendar stuff to some of the songs set list that we have going on that you'll see and hear and experience in worship tonight, uh, and a lot of different stuff. And if you're new, we've got the 10-minute party back here in this corner that we'd love to invite you to at the end of service, where we will give you the best popcorn. This side of the grain candy, the best kettle corn. If you're online watching and you want kettle corn, I'm sorry, our carrier pigeons are out of commission. We cannot deliver that to you, but we would love to invite you to to be here, and we'll give that to you. If you are online, we'd love for you to fill out the connection card. If you're new here, you can actually text uh, hello to our number, which is uh, 520-340-6868. Text hello. That'll kind of get you a couple different texts. That'll get you in, uh, and we'll kind of communicate over the next couple weeks with some emails and text, and uh, I promise you there'll be good things along the way for that. If you are someone who volunteers here and you're some of our superheroes, whether you're working in eKids and our guest service and tech and production worship, uh, we are doing a volunteer rally the last Saturday of August, and we would love to invite you to be a part of that. Uh, we're going to cook up the main dish and have that brought in, but we'd love to invite you to be maybe bringing a side dish or dessert. All the information is in the app. You can click on that. You can log in and kind of say what you'd like to bring. And if you are new and you're interested in maybe checking out a team, we'd love to invite you in particular as well to that evening to hang out with us from 5 to 7 here. Uh, we'll be in the gymnasium and in here. We'd love to hang out with you. Have a great time. We've got Jumping Castle for the kids and different things with that. So um, a few weeks ago, we announced that we were doing a gift, the Brian Lee Memorial Blessing Gift, uh, to honor Brian and his legacy as he was a part of this church and the launch of that church and until last year when he passed and so as a church and as a board we decided to do an annual gift to help a nonprofit or to help a young church in the making and we delivered that this week uh, to rob davis who's the pastor at living branch and he actually filmed a little video uh, that he wanted me to show for you all and so we'll roll that
1: hey element city church this is pastor rob with living branch church hey on behalf of our entire church i just want to say thank you as pastor jack shared with you recently we were the first recipients of the uh, brian lee memorial blessing given in honor and in memory of pastor brian uh, just kind of in that spirit and the heart that he had for other local churches to help see them kind of have the resources they need to get off the ground and because of your generosity because of your commitment to that, uh, we so graciously were the recipients of that gift. So we just wanna say thank you. Uh, All the way from the other side of the city, your uh, commitment and your vision is making a difference, not only in our church, in our community, but in our city as a whole, as we partner together for the gospel. So thank you again. Thank you for believing in the vision. Thank you for believing in us and giving us this incredible gift. Uh, We promise to steward it well and to use it in in a way that continues to see God's kingdom grow here on earth as it is in heaven. So we wanna just say thank you. We love you guys and we hope to see you soon.
0: Rob has been a good friend, and they launched their church last year. They're meeting at Cienega High School, and, and literally, right as we called them and said, hey, we'd like to, to give this gift uh, something we'll do annually to a, a new church startup. Uh, they had some technology issues kind of go haywire, and this gift meets them at a perfect time to help them reconfigure uh, some of their tech needs. And so, thanks to your generosity, we are able to pass that along to them. And so, again, we don't do giving around here by passing a plate. There's boxes in the back. Most folks give online or the app. And so if you want to be a financial partner with us, thank you to all of you who do. Uh, We invite you to be a part of that process. And we believe in the church, not just our church, but the Capital C church, and we want to pray for Living Branch uh, Church as they continue to move the kingdom forward. Uh, There's a million plus people in our city that aren't connected to a faith community of any kind. And so we believe that it takes the whole church to reach people for Jesus and to help them meet him and to fall in love with him and begin to walk out what does it mean to, to live the life of Jesus. And so so uh, tonight, I'm going to invite you to stand where you're at. We're going to pray for our Church of the Week. We do this every week. Uh, this week, it's Fellowship Bible Church. Pat McClanahan is the pastor there, and uh, I've spent time with him in our pastor's prayer summits around the city, uh, good guy, and uh, got a great ministry going there, and we want to pray your uh, blessing over them and over our time together. So let's pray. Father, we pray for uh, Fellowship Bible Church and for Pat and his team and the leaders, the men and women who are a part of that church moving uh, in that realm of the city. We're asking that you would continue to leverage them and to invest in them the resource and the time and the energy that they need to make a difference for you in the surrounding area around them. Father, just as we pray that you'd use us to make a difference here in the heart of the city, we're asking that tonight would be a night where we encounter your spirit, we invite you to be a part of this next hour or so where we look into your word, we worship you, we aim our our allegiance and our affections and our attention in your direction. We pray that you'd meet us and that we would leave here different because of meeting with you, Jesus. And so we invite you to be a part of this process and we pray your blessing over each one in this room, each one watching from their living room at home. God, would you be in our midst and this in this experience together we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Sunday we gather, we want it to be an experience for you. A chance that in community, we connect to something bigger than ourselves. So I want you to think about what you just sang. You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my saving grace. You're the hope in the shadows, the strength in my battles, the anchor for all my days. You stand with me by my side and you stood in my place. Jesus, there is no other name. We we talk as a church that we want to inspire us to reach up in worship. Friends, so much of our life is focused on the horizontal things going on around us as we lean back into this song I just invite you to take a moment for yourself and to lift your eyes heavenward let your eyes the eyes of your heart be vertical on who Jesus is you may be here and you don't fully even know who Jesus is yet but I'm telling you he is captivating he is powerful he's majestic and he is worthy See, to be worthy is to be captivated by something bigger than you. And friend, he is so much bigger than you, bigger than me, bigger than us. And he is worthy. And so take a moment to just reflect on that. As we sing this again, I invite you to make this a prayer of your heart. Jesus, you are worthy of all of our praise. Everything we got we bring to you the struggles we bring to you you're powerful enough to deal with it. the doubt or the questions that we have we bring to you you're big enough the worries, the anxieties we bring to you, you're big enough you're above all and before all and in you all things hold together and you are worthy
2: As we behold you, as we behold your character, it tells us who we are not. God, it'd be ridiculous for us to stand in this moment and to elevate ourselves, to elevate the things that we've done. And the reality is, all of it is a gift from you, all of this life, it's every breath, all of it. It's a moment you've given us to seize for your glory, for your purposes. That's your heart for us. God, that we would know you, and be able to reflect you to those around us. So God, I just, I wanna thank you for moments like this tonight where we can stand in the truth of who you are. We can stand in reverence, we can stand in awe of this transcendent God who's so far above us that we can't even comprehend it. And yet you're imminent, you're close to us, you're near to us that even in moments of joy, moments of pain, we can sense uh, your loving arms as they wrap around us and hold us. It doesn't make sense, God, that you should look at us and love us, and yet you do. You do. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that we can come confidently before you tonight come confidently into the throne room to worship you and just to give you the praise that you deserve. And so Jesus, tonight, it's all about you. We want your name to be the name that's lifted above every other name. Tonight, it's not about elements, it's not about Jack, it's not about Lyle, it's not about any person other than the person of the God man himself, Jesus the Christ. And so we stand before you, Jesus, with gratefulness, with humility, with reverence, and with joy, because we can be known by you. Let us be known tonight, Father. Speak to us now. We're here to listen. We're here to hear your word and to take it with us and to go live it out so that it would change us and change who we are to conform us to be more closely aligned with your son, Jesus. And we pray it on his precious and powerful name, everyone said.
0: Amen. Amen. It is good to worship with you. Uh, if you've been coming every week for years, or if this is your first time, uh, or tuning in online for the first time, uh, it is a great to, to be part of the family uh, that is Elements. And if you are new um, I hope that you would sense and find that maybe this is a place where you could put some roots down. We're actually starting a brand new series tonight called The Rooted Life, uh, all about some transformational values and maybe uh, more so some practices that we can put in place that we see throughout the pages of Scripture that actually help us live in the way of Jesus. And so again, if you're, if you're new and kind of searching out faith, maybe early on in your life, and I just want to tell you, uh, as Lyle said, it's about Jesus. And just kind of keep walking in his direction as he's walking in yours. And we'll figure out questions and answer along the way, but it is all about him. And everything that he did, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the teachings that he had, and and the practices he engaged in. And so what we want to do these next few weeks is just kind of unpack some of these practices, some of these habits, if you will, that actually help us and kind of root us into the way of Jesus, how to live this out in in the day-to-day practical way of being. And uh, I want you to think about how many messages you encounter every single day. Uh, Back in the 1970s, it was reported that the average person saw between 500 and 1,600 ads per day. That was pre-internet. Thank you, Al Gore. Uh, In 2007, the market research firm established that the average person saw up to 5,000 ads per day in 2007. How many of you think it's more now? Okay. Okay. Fast forward to 2021, the research isn't totally all in, but most uh, research is kind of coming back and saying no official figures, but the average person is estimated now to encounter between 6,000 and 10,000 ads per day. How many of you feel like you are swimming in a sea of information all around you all the time? messages coming. I mean, that's not even including the messages that are like, targeted to you, like a text message or you know emails that you get. It's this idea of the barrage, and so much of life feels like it's swirling, even in the midst of a pandemic, when I know some of your routines have changed, and maybe you've been at home more. Maybe there's less things that are occupying your calendar or your plate, if you will. But my hunch is there's still this undercurrent of a sense of commotion and busyness within you, because I know it's within me, even though patterns maybe have changed a little bit. The truth is, our pace of life can take us to places of unnoticed and dangerous spiritual depletion if we're not careful. And so tonight, what I want to talk about is this practice, this value of a contemplative cadence to your life. A contemplative rhythm, a cadence to your life that you and I can tap into and you and I can build into that maybe for an exhausted feeling sense of life can actually bring some life-giving nourishment to your soul. And so this contemplative cadence is what I want us to wrestle with tonight. Rich Villadis is a pastor in New York. He wrote a book called The Deeply Formed Life. We're kind of pulling this series from portions of this and from the scriptures, uh, looking at what are some of these rhythms and some of these practices, these habits that we can build into our life. Here's what he says in, in, from this chapter here. As long as we remain enslaved to a culture of speed, superficiality, and distraction, we will not become the people God longs for us to be. We will desperately need a spirituality that roots us in a different way. There's a cadence, if you will, a rhythm, a practice, a habit that you and I can begin to tap into that will actually pull us back from just being formed by the ways of the world around us, especially when it comes to this idea of superficiality or or so many messages and just swimming in a sea of information that gets us to places where we become distracted or depleted. A contemplative cadence is really about slowing doubt. Some of you are irritated that I've slowed doubt. Get on with it, preacher! No, no. See, a contemplative cadence is deliberate. It's intentional. Because the pace of our world wants to pull me and push me in the current of our culture, just kind of seems to get faster and faster and faster. And yet, if I don't put in some practices, if we don't put in some practices that are counter-cultural, then we really could end up just swept along with it. And and yet, you see in the life of Jesus a a different rhythm a different cadence or so to his way of living. Instead of racing, this is about slowing. In order to connect with God, to connect with people, to to hear his truth, to hear his whispers into our lives more than the voice of the commotion of the culture that swirls around us. There's a Japanese theologian, Dr. Kunyama, who wrote a book entitled The Three Mile-an-Hour God. He was trying to convey that if we want to connect with God, we would be wise to travel at God's speed. God has all the time in the world, and as a result, he is not in a rush. The truth is, when you read through the gospel accounts, you never see Jesus rushing anywhere. Jesus was very busy, don't get me wrong, but he was never hurried. In fact, often there were times where people wanted Jesus to hurry up. And he didn't. It's like he knew something about this pace of life that is to live with a life with God. And that maybe God moves slower. Kiyama's claim is that God travels at three miles an hour, and that's not an arbitrary figure. On average, humans walk at three miles an hour. And it's in just such an ambling or unhurried, leisurely moments that we often encounter God his whispers into our life, his presence around us. Most often, when we're not in a hurry. And yet, in our American culture, hurry is the speed of life. Sure, a pandemic has happened, and maybe it's shift to a different gear, a lower gear, if you will. But the reality is, don't you feel it? just underneath the surface of your own life, this this current that wants to pick up steam and get going a little faster, and expediency in things. N.T. Wright writes this, it's only when we slow down our lives that we actually catch up to God. And this isn't a call for us to go back to dial up modems. How many of you remember those? AOL, yeah, woo. Anyone still have your AOL email? Because we do, okay. Um, This isn't a call to go back to Quaker-style living. Listen, speed and innovation has brought incredible blessings our way. Technology is awesome in a lot of ways. And yet, there's a hindrance or hurdle that sometimes comes with technology, sometimes comes with the advancements that we have. And maybe we can learn a few things from some of our monastic brothers and sisters and the rhythms that are a part of their life and how it deepens their connection with with God, their deepens, their connection with one another, how it grows and creates room for spiritual imagination and connection one to another. Brother Lawrence's book wrote, uh, he wrote, practice the presence of God. The concept of the book is really simple. In every activity you're engaged in, remember that God is fully present there and then offer your heart to him and prayer. It's what Paul talks about. Pray continually, right? How do you do that? Well, if you realize that everywhere you go, God's already there and that God's with you, then you can stay aware of his presence with you and around you and as a follower of Jesus in you and through you to begin to make a difference with you. Maybe we should look back at some of the scriptures and some of the heroes of the faith and see some of the kind of the monastic and desert life, so to speak, that we see in so many of them. And that maybe there's something about the way they lived that actually introduces us to a rhythm that even in the 21st century, with all of our advancements, actually calls out to us to say, embrace this cadence to life. Moses a man of the desert, right? We know his story a little bit. He's kind of brought up in Egypt, uh, brought up in the king's palace, and and yet has this turmoil of seeing the Hebrew people enslaved and one day takes kind of action into his own hands and actually kills one of the, the people that were beating one of the slaves. And then he's on the run, right? And we don't know much about Moses in that running period until God calls him back to bring the people of God out of Egypt. But for 40 years, he's a shepherd in the desert. How many of you are younger than 40 years old? So your entire life plus some, he spends in the desert as a shepherd. No car, no Wi Fi, no Chick fil A nothing. The desert, watching sheep. Does sheep have conversations with you? Nope. He's just there. How does God appear to him? Well, in a burning bush. There's not much pizzazz to that. There's no fireworks to that. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's a burning bush that doesn't burn up. That's unique. That's what caught his attention in the first place. He goes over, and God has a conversation with him, and it's in the desert places that his character is being formed in order to be the person that would lead God's people out of Egypt. You think of David, a young man who is a shepherd. He's the youngest of all his brothers. He's out there as a shepherd watching over. He's sheep shearing and he's songwriting. And he's tuning into the presence of God and he's growing his connection with him long before he fights giants and kills bears and lions. He's a shepherd, a lonely and lonely life filled with lots of time and lots of ability to focus. And he's not perfect, but in some way, shaping at this, he grows to be what the scriptures call a man after God's own heart. There was something about that experience that was shaping to him. The songs he wrote, many of the book of the Psalms, are his that he wrote in those times. You think of Mary, a young woman marked by contemplative pondering and deep reflection. When the angel Gabriel shows up and says, I got good news for you and from God. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in your heart, in her heart. Luke didn't write that sentence just because he thought it'd be a cool way to end the sentence. He's writing about the character of this woman, describing this. this isn't an afterthought. He's describing the way she is. There's something about the way she's living in the practice in her life. John the Baptist, a solitary prophet who spent much of his life in the wilderness. He was a man given to prayer and solitude and silence and some very strange man versus food stuff. I don't know, you read about it, he eats locusts, and like, I wouldn't do that, but John cultivated a life with God in the wilderness, and was out of that place that he offered a prophetic presence, and the powerful words of God, as he began to turn the hearts of the people toward the Messiah, Jesus, who was coming, and Jesus himself the son of God, son of man, cannot truly be understood apart from his deep commitment to maybe some monastic rhythms in his life and the patterns that we see. Jesus regularly was active in preaching and healing and casting out demons, the fanfare kind of stuff. We see it all over the scriptures. But his life would be self-contradicting if you didn't also see the rhythms that were a part of the way he lived and as he invites us into those, he spent time with the Father in silence and solitude. The end of Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, Jesus went off to a solitary place to pray. My, one of my favorite verses of Jesus, Luke 5 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Often. It was a rhythm a cadence to his life, a contemplative cadence of prayer and of solitude, of silence, honing in a God awareness and tapping into his presence to connect and to get fueled up for life. What if that is meant for you and for me? What if we actually began to do what Jesus did so that we can actually grow to be more and more like him? And maybe it's not just head knowledge. Maybe it's not just having something remembered or recorded. Maybe it's actually rhythms of life that actually help you connect with God. The truth is we are all regularly being formed by the pace and values and voices of the busy surrounding world around us. And yet, to be deeply formed to be more like God, that will call for us to have regular rhythms that are counter-cultural, and so, what would it look like for us to begin to figure out ways that are counter-cultural? We kind of see this in the life, short little story that we see in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, again, if you want to follow along, if you go down on the, in the app, you can go to Sermon Notes and follow along there. But this is the story of Mary and Martha. You probably have heard of them. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are great friends of Jesus. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem, which means he's Heading to where he's going to give his life as a sacrifice for people. As an atonement of forgiveness of God on your behalf and on my behalf. And so he's on his way on this mission. And he stops in this little town, Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus are. And, and, and Mary kind of takes up a posture and Martha kind of takes up a posture in this story. Here's what we see. As Jesus and the disciples, Mark, and this is Luke 10, 38, Disciples continue on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? How many of you have ever had this conversation with your siblings? Okay, tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset about these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about or focused on, and Mary has discovered it, and I will not take it away from her. Now, I've got sympathy for Martha in some ways, because you look at the story, and Martha doesn't, you know, mark low in the serving capacity, She's actually there and helping. The story is Martha's probably a really good neighbor. She sees Jesus, the disciples, kind of hungry. She wants to to fix this meal and meet their needs. She probably did that in so many different ways. It was life-giving to people. It's probably how she was wired. The impression here isn't that Martha is not doing a good thing. It's that so much energy is going into something that's actually missing the better thing. And that's where Mary's posture comes in. You See, in, in that day and age, women didn't sit under rabbis and their teachings. And yet Jesus is saying, no, there's an opportunity here to grow as my disciple, as my follower. And I want that for men and women. And Mary takes this posture and Jesus isn't gonna take that away because his time is short on earth and, and he's saying to Martha listen maybe less luxury just put out a security board or something like we don't need you know a full Thanksgiving dinner here don't get so focused on all these other things that you miss the most important thing and that's what Mary has chosen that's what I want for you it's not that you don't serve Jesus isn't blaming Martha He's trying to call her to something else. It's possible for service to Christ to degenerate into a mere busy work that no longer has full devotion to God. There's nothing wrong with Martha's desire here, but Jesus is is not gonna send Mary away. He's saying, listen, maybe there's a different way, a different thing here. This building of a contemplative cadence to life is a call to less complexity, less commotion, And a call to engage in contemplative attention and focus on Jesus. So with the time left, I want to go through four keys that I think in our day and age could be really healthy habits for you to build and for me to build. uh, That as I've been practicing these and working in these, they have been very life-giving to me. And I think they could be very life-giving to you. And, And the first one is this, just purposefully pausing in life. In our rush and pace of our world, it is challenging to actually hit the pause button. Uh, Americans don't like the pause button, unless it's like Netflix and we have to go to the restroom and then we'll come back and pick up. Like, that's the only pause button we like. We don't like the idea of slowing our pace of life, but there's something very significant about that. It's countercultural to actually begin to build in margin within your time. It's trying not to fill up every square inch of your calendar. It's giving yourself time built in to reflect on what you're learning in life and how life is going and the situations that you're going through, whether they're challenging situations or whether they're beautiful situations. How is God in that? What does he have for me in this moment? It's creating worship moments like we just experienced. Do you know you can do that at home? You don't need a full band. You actually have a radio or or you have a CD player or you have like this thing called your iPhone or whatever that you can actually play music on. You could create a moment where you actually hit pause and worship and reach up in adoration for who Jesus is for you and to actually say, hey, for the next five minutes, I'm just gonna be in this space. Uh, For some of you, it may be that you need to take a break from social media for a while. Uh, Social media fast. I've done that over the years. And listen, I love social media. But there is a way that it can begin to grip you and and steer you and detour you in life. And so here's my invitation to anybody that wants to join me Sunday, starting tonight, to next Sunday, I'm going to fast from social media. I like food, so I'm going to fast from social media, okay? And I'm inviting you, if you want to do that, then join me. If you don't, then don't, okay? And so, like, this isn't a guilt trip thing. Um, This is simply saying, hey, if you feel like it's got a grip on your life, then sometimes it's about taking a break to say, I'm going to take my attention off of this so I have space and time to put my attention toward God toward reading his word, toward reading a good book, toward doing something else that's a different rhythm. It's countercultural. to actually do that. The practice of solitude, spending time alone in the quiet, away from the noise and commotion of the world around us. One of the most life-giving experiences that I've tapped into probably the last three or four years is I take a study retreat every summer where I spend a week by myself with Jesus, and my Bible, and my computer, and no one else. And I can't tell you, I'm an extrovert, but I can't tell you how life-giving that is to me to unplug, and to be away, and just listen, and to read, and to think, and to dream, and to say, God, where do you want your church, where do you want us, where do you want us to be? and what do you want us to be about? Thomas Merton writes this, solitude is to be preserved not as a luxury, but as a necessity. Not for perfection so much as simple survival. In the life God has given to you and given to me. So, pausing purposefully in life, how can you build that rhythm into your life? Maybe a second one, silent prayer. We all know prayer, prayer communicating to God, but silent prayer is this idea of saying, God, I usually come to you with all my list of requests. Here they are, blah, 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 blah. And then we move on with our day, don't we? We've dropped off our laundry list. God, here you go. And we're told we can bring our request to him. And so it's not that we can't do that. But what if prayer is more than just a single drop off of the laundry list? Maybe prayer is actually meant to be about connection. And maybe it's not all about me doing all the talking? What if silent prayer is just this idea of coming to Jesus and just being with? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, come to me, Jesus said. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Silence is about presence. See, when I first started dating Amy and we would drive in the car, We would talk all the time. You know why? Because I hated silence. I thought it would be awkward. I thought if there wasn't conversation going on, there was something wrong. I drove home from a wedding last night for 45 minutes, and we didn't say a word. And it wasn't awkward. And it wasn't weird. Why? Because I was just with her. And I like being with her, and she likes being with me, I think, for the most time. It's this, there's a different rhythm after 26 years than there was after 26 minutes. And maybe this silent prayer is just spending time with God to be with him. It's gonna be uneventful, probably. That's called normal. But there might be moments where his whispers break through in your life. And maybe it's contemplating something that you read, and you're thinking about him or a worship song that you listen to or just situations that are going on in life, and you're bringing it to him. See, silent prayer is not a technique to master. It's a relationship to enter into. Jesus said, come to me. See, it's highly relational. It's meant to be this pursuit of not clearing your mind, but actually filling your mind with Jesus and who he is. So what happens when distractions come? They will. Then let distractions be a way for you to recenter and return into interaction. Don't get frustrated with them. Just say, okay, God, I got off on a rabbit trail there and I solved the world's problems about COVID. That was awesome. And now I'm, because maybe your mind races like that, like mine does, and sometimes, and it's just centering back. Okay, God, uh, next couple minutes, just want to be with you. Just listen, be here. Sabbath, a third practice. Sabbath is practicing a 24-hour period when it's not about the have-tos or the ought-tos. It's deeply relaxing and renewing. It's a contemplative cadence to to remind yourself that you are not a machine. And you are not what you produce. In our culture, Most of humanity needs a Sabbath because we're on the brink of burnout or fatigue of the body or fatigue of the mind. The Sabbath is an invitation to live a life that isn't dominated or distorted by overwork or overthinking, overcommitment, or an overloaded schedule. It's about simply resting and understanding that you have limitations, that you're not perfect and you're not God. He's omnipresent. You're not, and neither am I. And it's a reminder to ourselves that we're not. Sabbath keeping is about, inter, uh, it was introduced, remember, as the people of God came out of Egypt and the captivity there in the Old Testament. You can read about it in the book of Exodus, and it's this rhythm that the people of God were caught for 400 years making bricks. That's what you did Monday through Sunday. You made bricks, and you got up the next day and you made bricks, and you made bricks, and you made bricks, and you, bricks, and you were what you produced. That's where your identity came from. Sabbath is about reminding ourselves that my identity is not in what I produce. My identity as a follower of Jesus is squared surely on Jesus and everything he accomplished and everything he has done and everything he has provided. And he says, I am this. And my identity is in him. Not in what I produce. See, in our American culture, you are what you produce. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's a bad theology thing. And in our church world and American culture, it's really easy to get that confused if you don't create countercultural rhythms that help form the life of Jesus more and more into you. Sabbath is a way to catch your breath, to remind ourselves that we're not machines and unlike God, we have limitations and edges and boundaries as a human. God doesn't have those, but I do and I can rest in him. And that's good news for all people, that God cares for you and loves you not based on how well you perform or what you produce. Sabbath is not about resting totally or just resting from making things. It's a rest from the need to make something of yourself. A day of noticing, a day of simple, joyful presence, a day of being undivided in your presence with people or with God himself. Sabbath forms us to be present in one place amid the desire to be omnipresent everywhere. But only God does that. That's above your pay grade and your abilities. Sabbath shapes us into enjoying the limits of our humanity rather than trying to grasp at omnipotence. And so have you ever practiced it? I know for some of you, you'd say, well, you know, I work, you know, seven days a week, or I work all the, okay, uh, what if it's not 24 hours? What if you just figured out a way to take 12 hours, where you're not what you produce? You're not what you perform. Your identity becomes anchored to someone bigger than you. A fourth practice beyond Sabbath. It's a slow reading of Scripture. It's undeniable that we often find ourselves skimming or speed reading or scrolling through Scripture if we choose to read it at all. And so we're trying to read it to get through it. And can I just invite you to actually read the Scriptures to get it through you? And maybe it's just one verse that day. And you chew on it. That's what it means to meditate. Meditate. On the word. That's what Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, talks about. I'll meditate on your word. That's what it means. It's like a cow that chews its cud over and over. It's chewing on that. What is here for me, God? Sometimes it's reading a whole chapter or so to get the, the whole kind of overview of it. Maybe sometimes it's just reading one verse and just chewing on that. Psalm 1 challenges us to rest in, not race through the word of God that we find these rhythms that we put in place that you begin to read it in a way. See, if relational theology is about me knowing God better, it's not just about knowing more and trying to pile through it. God is not an academic per se. He's academic in that he's the most intelligent ever and you'll never come to an end of knowing everything about him but it really is relational in nature to know him better. One of my favorite verses over my whole life in pastoral ministry is Ephesians 1:17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know more about him. Is that what it says? Nope. So that you may know him better. Friend At the end of the day, that's my prayer for our church. That's my prayer for you. That's why I do what I do, is I want you to know God better, deeper, more relatable, understand of how he sees your life and how you can see his and how it partners together to know him. See, as we sum up, Ferris Bueller said it best, Life moves pretty fast sometimes. And if you're not careful or intentional, then you'll miss it. And so the invitation is to create this contemplative cadence into our life that will actually root us into the way of Jesus more and more than just being carried along by the culture. This is countercultural kind of stuff to push back on. A contemplative cadence anchors us to someone bigger instead of being pushed along by the current of culture. It's tuning out the voices of society so we can lean into and hear from the one voice that matters most. It's a posture of your heart. Mary has found it, and I will not take it from her. Martha, you're worried and upset about so many things. What if the invitation of the way of Jesus is to actually live more the way of Jesus? Jesus often withdrew to be alone in prayer. Early in the morning, before it was light, Jesus got up, went to a solitary place, and prayed. See, those aren't just simple sentences that we often read right past, it was a rhythm of life and what if the invitation is for you and me to discover this contemplative cadence that will actually help me live more the way of Jesus as I align my life more like that. So here's the simple question. What's the takeaway for you? What do you feel like God is kind of nudging your heart to do? Is there one of these practices that you feel like, man, that's the one I think I want to try. Uh, that's the thing I, I think I want to get a part of. Maybe it's, you know, pausing purposefully. Maybe it's it's practicing Sabbath. Maybe it's silent prayer. Maybe it's a slow reading of Scripture to try to get it through you and not just you get through it. Maybe it's solitude. There are moments on a, on a hike. For some of you, you love to hike. Then use that as a spiritual experience. To not just connect with uh, nature, but the creator of that. And have a moment of worship. God, you're amazing. I don't know if you've looked at the hills around here this summer. Remember last summer when everything was on fire? That was Lord of the Rings on fire. This is like Lord of the Rings green everywhere, right? It's amazing. And to take moments where you get captivated by the creator and all he has for us and what he has for you. To tune into him. And so find a practice and begin to practice it. Experiment with that. And I promise you, as you do, it will become life giving to you. Why? Because it's countercultural. You're, the current of the culture is going to take you. You don't have to worry about that, it's going to take you. And so you have to do some things to say, God, I, I want to be different than just the culture around me. So, Father, that's what I pray as we uh, worship you. We think of this final psalm God, of reading through Psalm 131. I think one of the most practical psalms. And so we read this as a prayer, Father. As we go into our final worship song tonight, we want to stir our hearts to focus on you. And so the words of Psalm 131 are on the screen. You can listen to them. Lord, my heart is not proud. And my eyes are, are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp or figure out. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for his mother's milk, like a weaned child, is my soul within me. Oh, Israel, or, or put your name there. Jack, put your hope in the Lord. Now... always so father would you meet us this moment of pause of reflection would you stir our hearts to be people who want to put this into practice more and more so that we come to know you better
2: of heaven, his love and his mercy, his goodness. And Psalm 23 out ends there that is surely his, his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Those are the hounds of heaven. When you think about it, these hounds are always just following after you, his goodness, his mercy. And so would you go forth this week, just living in the confidence of that, knowing that, that his love surrounds you, that he's for you. And he wants us to live in this kind of cadence where we contemplate his presence with us. So would you be blessed with that this week? Just a few things before you head out. We've got the 10 minute party in the back. So if this is your first night with us, we're so glad that you decided to join us. Jack's gonna be back there uh, for 10 minutes. That's how that works, 10 minute party, right? So if you want the best kettle corn, south of the Grand Canyon. You go see Jack in the back, uh, and he's got a quick thing that you can fill out. You don't have to be there 10 minutes, by the way. It's just a few minutes, and then you'll be uh, on your way. So uh, make sure you stay connected with us. You've got the app, uh, the church app. That's where we put all of our news, all the information that you need to know. And the big thing is really it's just the volunteer rally that's coming up at the end of this month. And so if you're part of who makes this uh, service go on, we want to thank you. We've got uh, eKids volunteers. We've got everyone just kind of give a hand to the tech team in the back. These are the the unsung heroes uh, of making service happen. These are people who give hours of their time to come, not just for you here in the room, but even you at home. Uh, Whenever you're streaming this service, the reason you get to do that is because of the volunteers and what they do. So if you're looking for a way to get involved, come to that volunteer rally. We can tell you about the different teams we've got, uh, and there's gonna be a lot of food, and it's gonna be delicious. So there's that too. Um, E-groups, that's another way to get connected. We started our young adult group the last couple of weeks. We, We announced it last week for the first time. We had 15 people there on uh, Wednesday night, isn't that awesome? 15 people, that's right, we should give that up. And so that's it. For us as a church, we're about discipleship. We're about making sure that people know who Jesus is, know what he asks of them and that they're conforming their life into the image that he wants them to, to the way they want to live, basically, or the way he wants you to live. Uh, I've got music going on in my head and it's kind of hard to focus. In, ears out. Now I'm focused. All right, here we go. So E groups, they're awesome. We've got our college Bible study that's meeting on Tuesday nights. We've got a women's one that's kind of taking a pause through the summer. That's going to be starting up in September. So if you want to get connected uh, into a small group, I tell you what, it's the best decision that you're going to make. So make sure you see uh, Amy at the Next Steps table in the back. She's got a list of all those groups. So that's it. That's all we got. Thanks for coming tonight. We love you all, we really do. Uh, So be blessed as you go and shine the light of
3: Jesus in your world.